Shall we read a poem from a light in the attic? Hello, Paul, and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. I'm Lauren. Well, I'm back from Vegas. How was Vegas? Guess you didn't stay in Vegas. That is the unfortunate thing, because when a trip goes well, there are never any good stories that go along with it. No misfortune, no wedding broken up at the altar, no objection from the audience. I was the best flower girl, and Vegas was fun as usual. Well, describe your flower girling. What did you do? I was given a bum bag, (laughs) because I know how hard some people laugh when I say fanny pack, that was full of fake flower petals. Mm Mm-hmm. My job was to sprinkle the aisle in front of the bride with these flower petals. But I am Russ, and they told me to take it up to ten. So I came out, gestured to the bum bag of flower petals as though I were a stage magician, and as flamboyantly as I possibly could, produced them all the way down the aisle while spinning and eventually kind of stumbled away. Mm, That sounds delightful. I received so many compliments for, for my role, not least of them, did you know you stole the show? And one nice lady who said, I can't believe you were spinning the whole time and still distributed them evenly. How much was the world spinning after you did that? Um, I think I was too high on adrenaline to really notice. Okay, that that's probably good. You didn't like but careen into the altar or anything. I did not. I just sort of scurried away. They told me to sit in the front gallery, and I didn't feel okay with that at all. Like, I wasn't part of the wedding party, and so I just went somewhere else. The flower girl is part of the wedding party, except that they're usually banished to the kids' table afterward. I was also banished to the kids' table. <laughs> <laughs> there was no kids table who am I there was an open bar I was banished to the kids open bar <laughs> so how was Montana it was wetter than expected and wetter than they expected <laughs> Montana is not particularly known for being rainy but we are having some weather out on the west a whole atmospheric river came in and apparently it got to Montana too and so it was about as cool and rainy as Portland and oddly wow. lush and green. And everybody was telling me that it's not normally like this. <laughs> and I've been to Montana before, although it's been decades. And yeah, it is not normally like that. Ah, Montana. Land of a thousand lakes. And anyway, Yellowstone kind of got washed out. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it's amazing. They got so much water. Yeah, we have. I think uh, I think Kelowna's under a flood order right now as well. Yeah. Up here. Not awesome. Well, Not awesome. Missoula, Montana is a neat little town, and I definitely recommend going uh, if you have to, well, if you have to go to Montana for any reason, be in Missoula. (laughs) Oh, it's time to go to Montana. Did you lose a bet? (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of Montana that's beautiful. Uh, In the past, I'd only been near Yellowstone and particularly the petrified forest that's in Montana, which is cool. And Missoula, the funny thing is, I was dizzy a lot of the time because Missoula's in this bowl and all around it are mountains. And so everything, like if you just look in the near distance, everything's flat. 
Then if you look in the far distance, everything goes woof up really fast, and it made oh. me dizzy. Weird vertigo thing the whole time? Yep. Well, what are we talking about today? So I'm a little shy about this because this is my possibly my very favorite Shel Silverstein poem. <gasps> oh, boy. Yeah. This is Wild Strawberries. Are wild strawberries really wild? Will they scratch an adult? Will they snap at a child? Should you pet them or let them run free where they roam? Could they ever relax in a steam-heated home? Can they be trained not to growl at the guests? Will a litter box work or would they leave a mess? Can we make them a cowberry hurting the cows? Or maybe a muleberry pulling the plows? Or maybe a huntberry chasing the grouse? Or maybe a watchberry guarding the house. And though they may curl up at your feet oh so sweetly, can you ever feel that you trust them completely? Or should we make a pet out of something less scary, like the domestic prune or the imported cherry? Anyhow, you've been warned, and I will not be blamed, if your wild strawberry cannot be tamed. And I love the picture so much. It's the strawberry that is sideways so that it has like the greenery as a fluffy tail. And it has a jaws like an undersea fish and beady Rawr. little eyes. And I love it so much. And this is my favorite poem. And this is the Shel Silverstein poem that I identified so deeply with when I was in my early 20s. So much to the point that I had it on my dating profile. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so this begs the question, why? Okay, so it's a bit of a long story dating back to around 16-ish when I had some friends who, to me, were the ultimate lovers. Like, they were just two very chaotic people who had quite a torrid affair. And to me, this is what love was all about. And they said one of the most romantic things that has ever been said, I think we're just about reckless enough for each other. I was very into this. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is a bad example, folks. Yes, but it was incredibly romantic to me when I was a kid. And oh, my goodness, they cheated on each other's partners all the time with each other. And it was just when we'd hang out, it would just be absolute like drunken drugged up debauchery and it was torrid as fuck and i they called me their i think they called me did they call me the reverend or something because i just sort of like was the third wheel but i was always like the responsible one that was like nope don't drown nope you can't do that right now you're too high and such like that (laughs) (laughs) they didn't call you the den mother it was the reverend no i was the reverend i think Hmm. So the girl was in particular infatuated this one part of the little prince about the fox. And I'm going to read you a part. My life is monotonous, the fox said. I hunt chickens and men hunt me. All the chickens are the same and all the men are the same. So I get a little bored. But if you tame me, it'll be as if the sun came to shine on my life. I shall know the sound of a step different from all others. Other steps send me hurrying back underground. Yours will call me out of my burrow like music. And look there. Do you see the wheat fields? 
I do not eat bread. Wheat is of no use to me. Those wheat fields remind me of nothing, and that is rather sad. But you have hair the color of gold. Think how wonderful that will be when you have tamed me. The wheat which is golden will remind me of you, and I shall love the sound of the wind and the wheat. Please tame me, he said. What must I do, said the little prince. You must be very patient, replied the fox. First, you will sit down at a little distance from me, like that, in the grass. I shall watch you out of the corner of my eye, and you will say nothing. Words are a source of misunderstanding. But every day you can sit a little closer to me. The next day the little prince returned. It would have been better to come back at the same hour, the fox said. If, for example, you come at four o'clock in the afternoon, then at three o'clock I shall begin to feel happy. As the time passes, I shall feel happier and happier. At four o'clock, I shall become agitated and start worrying. I shall discover the price of happiness. But if you come just at any time, I shall never know when I should prepare my heart to greet you. One must observe the proper rites. This did not fit me. The context, the little, context in The Little Prince is that you make yourself special to someone and someone makes themselves special to you. Okay. But... At the time, I didn't know how to feel about this. I didn't really feel like it was appropriate to me. Gotcha. But something <laughs> about it still seemed like I held them up as the perfect relationship. Because I and had you... watched too many movies and like was into beat poetry and shit. And they were all real shitty to each other. So it just <laughs> seemed great. I don't know. Okay. I mean, we're all idiots when we're teenagers, so. I was a fun idiot, though. <laughs> I still like the idea of the idiot that I was as a teenager. Even if it was idiocy, it was it was a poetic idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> so while you found no application with the fox, right? You did in Wild Strawberry. Yes, exactly. And when I so I, th- I had been thinking about the Little Prince and the fox and how I did not want to be tamed in any way, but. I also oh. wanted to emulate my friends. And so when I found the poem Wild Strawberries, it felt really right to me. Eureka. Yes, it, it fit. I was like, there's no way anybody can tame me. There's no way <laughs> there's no way anybody not only can I not be tamed, but also I'm unpredictable and you do not you cannot be sure that I will ever stay. And that's the thing about the little prince and the fox is that they want someone to be, I think my friend and her idea of taming was that she was desperate for someone that could keep up with her and that was interesting to her and that could convince her to be committed. Because at that time in her life, she definitely was frisky as hell. And for me... I just wanted somebody, I wanted somebody to accept me as the strange, somewhat, I don't want to say vicious, but like sharp. Unpredictable? What, unpred- yes, I just want, I wanted someone to accept me as the strange, unpredictable, sometimes random, emotional, feisty person that I can be. And your application of wild strawberries to yourself makes a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. I am I am really struggling with your friend and applying the fox to anything that you described. 
Right. Yeah. I, I wonder if we could get a time machine and ask 16-year-old her what her definition of being tamed like the fox was. I wonder how much it would match up. I don't know. Hmm. Her introspection often came in literary allusions rather than saying something outright. Very interesting. She was the most fun friend I've ever had. <laughs> she was a... are, are y'all still in contact? Not really. We grew apart. I still think she's huh. amazing, and I hope we get to see each other again. Uh, it would be the sort of thing if we were ever in each other's area, we would definitely try to meet up. But we did grow apart. She's uh, like a, a badass professional these days. She's not like <laughs> lying in a gutter somewhere, but... I like I might have alluded that she was like not responsible at all. And I guess really she wasn't at that moment, but she she definitely took her life in good directions. And uh, how much longer did that relationship last after you idolized it? Oh, that's a whole nother story. But uh, it was awesome. <laughs> did it last for a very long time at different points in time? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm shocked, I tell you. Yes. Also appropriate to this poem is that uh, my foster kittens, I've had the most untamable kitten I've ever dealt with in all of this, and she's finally becoming a charming little thing. Hooray! But she bit me so many times, and I had to use welding gloves for the most part while I held her. But finally, I'm tentatively scheduling for her to get adopted, and it should all be good, I hope. And what is this kitty's name? Ruth. She's called Ruth because of a really screamy character in a show I haven't seen called Ozarks. This makes sense to me. I haven't seen Ozark, but I know the character. Because, <laughs> you know, she was on the Netflix preview. Yeah, she screams and is angry a lot. Now, how long was this uh, poem part of your profile? Oh, I'm sure it's still up there in that old profile that I haven't visited in years. That is fantastic. Yeah can't think that i ever had any poems that i applied to myself i don't think i was ever that cool i applied poetry to myself a lot when i was younger less so now because there are fewer opportunities to do so i don't have like an aim profile anymore where there's just one little thing there's this one little box where you have only a few characters to put in those were the best yeah i do miss the simplicity of being left to represent yourself in only a few short sentences how many times did you like me use it as a cry for attention where you just write very bad day don't talk to me and then hope some people talk to you i don't know if i did i did do a lot of i had this really abusive shithead that uh i was on and off again with during high school and i would often leave passive aggressive u2 lyrics and such in my profile yes oh my god the drama awesome (laughs) <laughs> well, what, what is it they say if they don't look at your past self and cringe you haven't grown any well hey a lot of this i'm actually quite into i'm like yeah you put that <laughs> passive aggressive you two <laughs> you two uh lyric and there was always like it was from one it was like you asked me to enter and then you make me crawl <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost like they were trying to tame you yes they actually did email me like years later and like, I'm sorry, I tried to break you. And I was like, holy fuck, that wasn't in my imagination. Wow. Amazing. Self-reflection. Yeah. Look at that. That was a great story. Mm-hmm. 
I was I way know, more nearly that a, good. I was really way more interesting as a teenager and in my early twenties than I am now. <laughs> way more interesting. I was not, man. I was a boring ass teenager. I was chaotic and delightful. Also <laughs> very unhappy. I think all three of those terms still describe you. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's the unhappy part, which is true, but <laughs> but I'm glad I'm still chaotic and delightful. I would certainly apply those terms. Well, I don't know how I can follow that act, but I'm doing a body horror one. (laughs) (laughs) That narrows it down, Russ, from a light in the attic? Oh, golly. But no, today we are doing Skin Stealer. (laughs) (laughs) This evening I unzipped my skin. And carefully unscrewed my head, exactly as I always do when I prepare myself for bed. And while I slept, a cuckoo came, as naked as could be, and put on the skin and screwed on the head that once belonged to me. Now wearing my feet, he runs through the street in a most disgraceful way. Doing things and saying things I never do or say. Tickling the children and kicking the men and dancing the ladies away. So if he makes your bright eyes cry or makes your poor head spin, that scoundrel you see is not really me. He's the cuckoo who's wearing my skin. Nope. <laughs> nope. It reminds me a lot of that scene from Men in Black. <laughs> yes, <laughs> with Edgar the bug. Yeah, where Edgar uh, is an alien and he eats the insides of a human and then climbs inside. Played of to perfection by Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> the role he was born to play, an alien <laughs> wearing his own skin. <laughs> It's a bit of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing, or alternatively, Fight Club, where you blame well, your misbehavior on some other being. It's it's funny, but yes. Oh, oh, oh I, sh- I should do the uh, the, the illustration. Um, what you have here is a one-eyed, gangly alien-looking thing pulling on a person's skin like footy pajamas. No. And I'm first attracted to this poem because our presumably human writer, um, you know, says that every night when they go to bed, they unzip their skin and unscrew their head. So there's your first bit. But what attracted me to this poem and to, weirdly, I'm kind of going to circle around to what you introduced. But the first aspect was that every culture ever, ever, ever has a skin stealer or a shapeshifter, or a skinwalker, or something unique to that. Someone who steals an identity. Yes. And Germans have doppelgangers, and uh, Western European folklore has changelings, and Japanese have bakemono, and the Gullah have the boo hag. Anyway, there's tons of these. And usually there's like one thing kind of wrong with them. And so it's like, it's taking your identity, but imperfectly right and so like the gala 
that they had they're, they're just red muscle until they steal someone's skin or like D has the skin stealer who smells bad because their skin is rotting and the gin like their feet look kind of weird the rest of their body looks normal and not getting into why the uncanny valley exists and that whole like internet lore thing that's going around right now about why we have that because what if something used to look just enough like people that we should be to anyway none of that stuff it's it's honestly there are things that look just enough like people that i assume it's a disease thing yeah this disease makes you look funny and i'm going to avoid you yeah do you uh have any cryptids that look humanoid from from your hometown no no, and, and or like surrounding area. No, the closest thing we have is one of those like if you put flour on the back of your car and put it over the train tracks, you'll see handprints of children who uh. were killed on in a bus pushing it over. We don't have yeah, we don't really even. Oh, there was a thing that my that my friend's family made up that was like I think called the green hand that like if you went in the basement it would grab you. I think it was somebody down that. there with a glove. <laughs> I have heard of like the dead man's hand or the green hand. Mm-hmm. We didn't have anything that stole your skin, but we did have humanoid things, which were the goat man or the chupacabra, which right. kind of hang out in Texas. Um, chupacabra's we were, just... We're kind of close ahead. to West Virginia, but the Mothman didn't make it all the way up to Maryland. Oh, the best cryptid. I hadn't heard of the Mothman until I listened to the Adventure Zone Amnesty. <laughs> It's scary if you have something that looks like you and has evil intent, and it's a monster or an alien or something Mm -hmm. wearing your skin. But why does it have to be a monster in disguise? Because narcissists do exactly the same thing. And even the excuses sound the same. That wasn't me. That wasn't who I really am. Oh, I'm not actually like that. What was always most frustrating about dealing with a narcissist was the narcissist's apology. Much like in The Skin Stealer, oh, if you see me doing those horrible things, oh, that wasn't really me. That was the, that, that was the Skin Stealer doing all that. That sounds so, so suspiciously similar to, I was just kidding, or mm. I was trying to help, or I was mm-hmm. just playing devil's advocate, or I'm sorry that you think I did something wrong, or I'm sorry that I'm a bad person, and like mm-hmm. all these wheedling apologies. I love it when one of those comes from someone, you know, in power or influence, just because, like, they really don't think we're smart enough to buy that. But, this, I mean, you keep people out confused. You just keep confusing them, and then, like, you don't know what to focus on. Yeah. I feel like a lot with Trump, when, like, a lot of the terrible things he did, he just kept doing so many terrible things, there was nothing you could latch on to. <laughs> I also ran across a TV trope that I thought was was one of the ones that I really enjoy, but I didn't know it had a name. And it is the suspiciously specific denial. Mm-hmm. And the uh, <laughs> the example they give is the courtroom drama where it's, were you ever in New York with this man? I refuse to answer that. Were you ever in Chicago with this man? I refuse to answer that. Were you ever in Miami with this man? No. i think of uh the clinton thing i did not have sexual intercourse with that woman blowjob yes though 
Yes, the very <laughs> or I uh, for him when he said with pot, uh, I smoked pot, but I didn't inhale. But I didn't inhale. Oh.